Um, I think we do have, like, some similarities, you know, having to do with, like, the zeitgeist of, like, activism and youth. Um, But I also think that we're also, we're very diverse um, in our beliefs and our opinions, but we are passionate about what we believe. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us for the politics episode of Hello, Gen Z. This is a podcast from the San Diego Union-Tribune about the youngest generation. I'm Abby Hamblin. And I'm Christy Totten. 2020 has been a year like no other. Young people have protested in the streets for months now during a pandemic that has killed more than 190,000 Americans. And on top of that, it's a presidential election year, so everyone is talking about politics in one way or another. That includes members of Gen Z who will soon be voting in their first election. As you heard India Griffin say at the beginning of this episode, Gen Z has a lot of passion for what they believe. This generation is widely seen as an activist generation and very left-leaning. We've talked about it on this podcast before. And while that is true, there's more to the story here. There are two big reasons for everyone to pay attention to Gen Z politics. For one, the number of eligible voters from this generation is growing fast. We've seen this from the 2018 election to the 2020 election. And two, Pew Research found that Gen Z and millennials largely have similar social and political views, which makes for a potentially very powerful voting bloc. One in 10 voters in the November election will be from Gen Z. In this episode, we're going to pass the mic to them to explain their views and plans for the country. Here's Crystal Sung, a conservative Georgetown University student who has interned in the U.S. Senate, the Department of Commerce, and the State Department. I find it very inspiring in that we don't need to think that every single thing that the U.S. is doing is right, and that we're very actively and vocally trying to oppose those things that we believe are wrong. So I think it's a good thing overall. Maria Esparza is from Oklahoma City, and she's part of an organization called Voto Latino at the University of Oklahoma. She was born in Mexico and became a naturalized citizen, and she said she finds voting so important because her community's needs aren't always considered by lawmakers. She's a sophomore political science student at her university, and here's why she says it's so important for Gen Z to be involved in politics. I feel like just as much as teachers tell you math is everywhere, you have to engage with it because you'll find it everywhere in your adult life. I guess politics is the same way. Um, while I might seem a little boring, a little like not important, I feel like even to the smallest down, even to the smallest local government, it is a little important, you know, even down to the sheriff. Okay, so let's get into this generation's political views. One way Gen Z and millennials differ from older generations is on race relations. So about two-thirds of Gen Zers and millennials say that Black Americans are treated less fairly than white Americans, and that's compared with about half of Gen Xers and boomers, and even fewer among the silent generation. That was from Pew Research data before George Floyd's death. But Gen Z stands on its own politically, too. The latest Pew survey on generations and their political views found that members of Gen Z on the right and the left, so 7 in 10, believe more than any other generation that government should be doing more to solve problems. And among Republicans, Gen Z is more likely than older people on the right to believe that climate change is a man-made problem, as scientists have explained, and not a natural occurrence. So let's take a deeper dive into politics at one campus in particular, San Diego State University. We talked to the heads of both the college Republicans and Democrats. 
Allison Aiken is a Democrat, and she says Gen Z Democrats are ready to move past the Obama and Biden era onto something new. Here's what she said appeals to her age group. Definitely climate change is a huge thing. Like, overwhelmingly, Generation Z is very involved in climate change, whether you're a conservative or a liberal. I mean, I know there are still people saying that it's not as big a deal as we make it out to be, and there's some people that say that it's not real, but I think overwhelmingly my generation realizes that it's an issue and we want to do something about it because we realize we're going to be the ones having to deal with it in the coming decades. And on top of that, I think, at least within the Democratic Party, economic inequality is a huge issue that we focus on because economic inequality goes into so many different things when it comes to social justice issues that are perpetuated through economic inequality, uh, immigration issues, climate justice, things like that. So I think those are probably the two biggest things. But Allison said there's no one easy way to sum up all of their views either. I personally consider myself to be pretty far left, and I'm the president of the club, but the whole club itself I don't see as being really far left. Our VP is a lot more centrist. We kind of balance each other out. But I like it that way. I like having diverse views because if we were all on the same page, with our opinions, we wouldn't challenge each other to think differently. Now let's hear from Oliver Kavarik, the president of the San Diego State University College Republicans. We asked him for his beliefs as a Gen Z conservative. It comes down to, in particular, um, skepticism on current foreign policy. It comes down to um, better and more good faith engagement with um, climate change activists and the climate change uh, sort of dialogue. It comes down to a much stricter approach towards immigration, legal and illegal um, in particular. And then uh, I think those would probably be the three defining characteristics. So Oliver shows how young Republicans are more open to fighting climate change, but his views on immigration mirror more of what you might expect from President Trump. Oliver was one of nine Gen Zers who wrote essays about their generation for this project. He wrote that the Republican Party should focus on economic nationalism and, quote, a reverence for our history. His words have been criticized as coded language that appeals to white nationalists and extremists on the right. When asked about such associations by his school newspaper, the Daily Aztec, Oliver disavowed them. Just like Allison said there's variation in her club, we talked to another young conservative whose views are pretty different than Oliver's. Mike Brodo is the executive director of Gen Z GOP, a new organization hoping to establish a post-Trump Republican Party that's geared toward Gen Z. While he and his organization agree with some party staples like strong support for the Second Amendment, he sees the party as needing a new era. We talked to him from his home in Massachusetts. On the partisan side, we've found that the Republican Party no longer represents who we are uh, under the guise of Trumpism. Uh, and at the same time, we found that the political system is no longer working for the country and especially not working for Gen Z because the issues that are affecting Gen Z have long-term impacts that are not being addressed. Climate change, racial injustice, fiscal responsibility, for example, all of these things are either not being addressed at all, like on the, in the Republican Party, or they're being addressed maybe by the Democratic Party in terms of climate change, racial injustice, but not in a way that we find is feasible or uh, politically palatable to a wide swath of the population. Many of them say they have problems with capitalism and that their favorite politicians are Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Gallup reported last year that half of Gen Z and millennials say they have a positive view of socialism. 
Their views on political parties are changing too. In 2016, California passed a law saying that 16 and 17-year-olds could pre-register to vote. So when they turned 18, they were ready to vote without having to do any more paperwork. Since the law has passed, more than half a million young people have taken advantage of it. 40% of these teenagers registered as Democrats and only 12% registered as Republicans, while 38% picked no party preference, rejecting both major political parties. So we've heard from Gen Z Republicans and Democrats, but what we haven't talked about is something this generation has come to be so well known for, activism. Maria told us that social media plays a huge role in helping members of her generation form their political views. So I feel like social media has helped us come together and listen to each other. Um, that way, whenever we do ask for a candidate or ask for change, we don't just ask for our own change, but the change of other communities. Because like we hear you, we see you, we see you through social media, we see um, what you're telling us. So I feel like it's helped a lot within solidarity. Olivia Seltzer is a high school student from Santa Barbara, California, who started a newsletter for Gen Z called The Cram after finding out how hungry her generation was for news about politics. I think that in every aspect of our lives, whether it's like big or small, we really are activists. We really have this mindset of whatever we see going on in the world, we feel like we have to be active in trying to, to solve it or in trying to combat the issue. And I think that 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 goes from the big, the big examples you see, like Malala Yousafzai, to even people who just are having conversations about what's going on around the world with their friends. I think that you see that Gen Z as a whole is very informed and very willing to inform ourselves and very willing to make the, the tough changes on our lives to, to gear the world towards a better direction. We asked Olivia about the political views of Gen Z, and she said that there are many areas where Gen Z doesn't want to be partisan, but does want to see change. Last year, she was invited to talk about Gen Z at a town hall event at a meeting of NATO leaders in London. Other speakers at the event included the prime ministers of Canada, the Netherlands, and Poland. I think that Gen Z as a whole is definitely a lot more progressive leaning than other generations. And I don't think, I think that the difference is it's not progressive leaning about things that are strictly political. We're more progressive leaning about things that have been made political that we feel totally should not be, like more human rights kinds of things. Like I have like a good half of my friends are are Republican and the other half of my friends are Democrat, are Democrats. And we are still able to agree on a lot of the things that before would define Republican versus Democrat, such as climate change is something that I found that the vast majority of my friends can agree on. Um, LGBTQ plus rights is something that I found the vast majority of my friends can agree on. Even gun control, something that has been very polarizing for past generations, is something that Republican or Democrat, I've seen a lot of my friends been able to, to find some common ground on. And I think that that's the difference with Gen Z is that we're trying to make those distinctions between things that are political and things that have been politicized. What we heard from many members of Gen Z is that they just want to start working to fix many of the problems they've been left by older generations. They feel compelled to get involved, and often they have personal reasons for this. Anaya Brown is a young Democrat from New York, and she said she wants to be chief of staff to a major politician someday, or maybe even sit on the Supreme Court. But no matter what the future holds, she wants to stay involved. 
there have been more times than I can count where I've been the only woman in the room, the only black person in the room, the only person under like 40 in the room. And it, it like it, it gets discouraging and more times than not, it would be easier to just kind of, you know, give up and say, you know what, that's someone else's job. Someone else can fix it. People have done it before me. People will continue to do it after me and I don't need to be the one. Um, but that's just not how I was raised, you know, and not to knock people who don't, because again, it is incredibly, it, it's difficult to be the only person in the room sometimes. And it can, it can be traumatizing to some people. So definitely not to knock others, but, um, I just, I've never been the kind of person to kind of just sit back and let someone else whether it's been school or work or whatever and so when it literally is like a life or death situation which I mean at first I used to say not to be dramatic but at this point it really is life or death for um large amounts of people and um yeah I don't at this point okay sure I'm the only black woman I'm the only woman I don't care it I have to do something I can't just I mm -mm, no Mike Brodo, the head of the Gen Z GOP organization, expressed a similar urgency. We want policy debates that are in good faith, that are factually supported, and that are solutions-oriented. Because I don't want to see a Congress that can't, like, can't pass stimulus bills for a pandemic that's torn apart the country for political gain. So I want a country that doesn't make politics so personal, so hostile, and so polarized. And that doesn't mean we agree on things, but at least a government run by people who see that the impacts of their political grandstanding are people suffering through unemployment, health crisis, whatnot. In 2018, Emily Johnson ran for mayor of the city of Poway, California, when she was just 20 years old. She said she had no choice but to get political. As a member of the LGBT community, I've always believed that my existence is inherently political. Uh, because it's it's been highly controversial, especially in the past decade, of whether or not people in my community had rights to marriage or bathrooms or adopting children. And so almost to be a member of the community, you have to be aware of politics. She also said that one of the biggest things she learned once she got started campaigning is that you don't have to know everything to get involved. And she was told that by people who were already in office. One of the biggest takeaways from it was that Almost everyone who's running for council, everyone starts off not knowing anything. Like, and I, I have the really great opportunity to get to meet other candidates for other positions on council and actually develop some really long-lasting friendships with a few of them. And, you know, they were all very encouraging and they were like, everyone starts off where you are. You're just younger, so you have more time to learn. And it's a really good point. There's the, the age limit for running for city council, at least in San Diego, is 18. So there's no reason for 18-year-olds to not start becoming involved. And I kind of learned that, like, you might feel underqualified, but so was everyone at some point. You know, it's a learning experience, your first campaign. You know, that was kind of the big takeaway where, like, nobody starts off knowing 100% what they're doing. But that's not a good enough reason to not do it. For those looking to get involved in politics, Jacob Sutherland, who grew up in the Midwest and just graduated college at UC San Diego, has some encouraging words. He says people should step outside of their own experiences and learn from those around them. 
I think that recognizing that there is more to empathy than just within your own circle of friends would be um, a huge step in the right direction, just because I feel like that would help you keep a more open mind on what you hear in the news. Because once you start just with yourself, it's a lot easier to recognize and to understand opinions that are different than your own. And even if you don't want to go into these ideologies, which like I feel like there is value in every in most ideologies, um, but I think that just helps us have a better open mind in being willing to compromise. Um, that is something that the younger generation needs to do, but it is also something that the older generation needs to do as well. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Hello Gen Z, and thanks to everyone who did an interview with us for it. We hope you'll join us for the upcoming and final episode of this mini-series podcast on the future this generation wants to see. I, Christy Totten, along with Abby Hamblin, wrote and produced this episode. Matthew T. Hall is our project editor, Beto Alvarez is our creative director, and John Kelly and Gloria Orbegozo are the amazing illustrators behind Hello Gen Z. Please check out our Instagram page by searching Hello Gen Z. We have one episode left, so you can catch up on all the ones you've missed, read some essays by young people we've featured, and see our interactive timeline at sandiegouniontribune.com slash hellogenz. Thanks to everyone who has been sharing this podcast, and we'd love it if you continued your support. Please leave a review on your favorite app or tell a friend about our show. Bye!